What's up, guys? Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week, we'll cover the topics most important to you from marketing and selling your products to winning on social media and everything in between. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a part-time content creator running Fix This, Build That, and my co-host John Malecki is a full-time furniture maker running metal and wood custom furniture. Over the past few years, we've seen the value of bouncing ideas back and forth, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode nine. Today, we're going to give you an introduction to working with sponsors. We're going to talk about the why, the how, and the when, and also some things to consider before you jump into working with sponsors. What's up, John? Oh, not much, man. I recently moved my office, so I am over here enjoying the much more mild temperature, not sweating profusely, (laughs) and I am ready to crush this episode. Absolutely. It's nice to see you over there uh, with sweat not streaming out of your forehead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry you can't have that image, and I'm sorry for everyone else. We we need to live stream just so they can see see what's going on. Uh, so yeah, I, I am super stoked about today's episode, uh, like all of them. But before we get started, I want to go ahead and thank some of our new members uh, that joined the MFP tribe over on Patreon. Uh, we had several new members again. We had Katie Freeman, Jeremy Hill, Patrick Smith, Josh Luther, Joshua Pellebor, Dan Zickfus, Zach Carter, Jamie Glennon, Modern Timber, and Steve Mosley. A great group of folks there. That is awesome. If you guys want to also support the show, uh, get some of those awesome rewards that we have over there. You can go to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. We do have an after show for our patrons. That's what we'll be talking about here at the end of the show, um, as well as some other things. John, what do we just get done doing with the patrons? Yeah, if you guys remember at the end of last week, we teased into um, asking our patrons to vote on what our next step into the weekend show format is going to be. Um, and if you guys want to get involved with that, head on over to our Patreon page and sign up. I'm getting some awesome feedback over there, and we are really, really looking forward to um, what we're going to be bringing out um, in September. So, yeah. Excited, man. Thank you all. Thank every one of you patrons. We do appreciate each one of you individually. And um, and I believe we'll also be starting with our Instagram bio and feed. Yeah, the feedback, feedback reviews. We've just been working on those, which is which is awesome. Those are part of the rewards. You can go check that out. Uh, so, yeah, man, what, what have you been working on? Well, um, last week I talked about a bookshelf that I was doing some custom hardware. I'm actually waiting on a client color approval, which is uh, delayed me a little bit, but I got all that done. Um, so just wrapping that project up, I, I, I did a little um, everyday carry catch-all box that I'll be dropping a video of. It should be up by the time this goes. And um, I did, you know, yeah, yeah. And then I'll be having a plan coming out with the uh, with the secondary video once that client approves some Keller. So yeah, it's good. You know, it's good that you can do something, you know, with an everyday carry with a firearm that really doesn't cause any ruckus or anything on your Instagram feed. Yeah, it's getting. Uh, I, I put a teaser video out there, and it got it, it the comment well sections. A, a, might as well have been a forum for for people to go off on personal opinions. Meanwhile, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, that's it's something that happens. But it, it happens. Regardless, it, what are you working yeah, on, brother? You, you did it. You did it just for the engagement. I, I, I did. So, uh, yeah, so this week, actually, I've not been working a lot out in the shop. I've been wrapping up some planning. Uh, some back end work, doing some uh, some negotiations, actually with uh, some sponsors, oddly enough. So have some fresh uh, frame of reference for some of the conversation later. But I've been working on a few things and also have something that uh, really big I've been working on, which I will talk more about, a lot more about next week. I am very, very excited to talk about. So I'm looking forward to that, the show next week as well to kind of reveal some things I got going on. Yeah. But it's yeah. be a big one. Gonna be a big one. Oh, she's gonna <laughs> she, be a big one. She's a big one. <laughs> but today I think we'll go ahead and jump into the show topic sponsor. So what we wanted to do was really make this kind of a primer. So this is not going to be um, super in-depth but more of a broader view of how John and I work with sponsors, uh, our feelings 
on the matter. And like I mentioned in the intro, the why, the how, the when, and some things to consider. We'll dive deeper into it and we'll probably uh, kind of break out each of these questions and also based upon you guys' feedback. So we'd love to hear your feedback on this episode as you as you think through of the other things we'd like to, you'd like to hear us dive into deeper in the subject. So the first one, um, why work with sponsors? And I think this is, it's a really interesting conversation because when you look across the landscape, um, and I'll stick with YouTubers to start off with, right, John, because I I think that's kind of the most obvious that a lot of folks are familiar with Mm -hmm. uh, because it is a very visual platform. Obviously, I think it's uh, when you have a lot of bloggers, uh, a lot of bloggers work with sponsors as well, but it's just not as visual uh, and kind of in your face. So looking across you know, just even in the woodworking space, there are a lot of folks that work with sponsors. Uh, there are some folks that have long-term deals. There are some folks that don't work with sponsors at all, and they do their own thing either through Patreon or they just don't buy into the whole sponsorship thing. Uh, so, you know, I think the total overall theme of this is that as we go through this conversation, John and I are going to talk about what works for us and and give you a little bit of insight into why we do it. Uh, but it is a very personal decision, and uh, because what it does is it's it is really how your brand goes to business. So if you want to go to business um, with sponsorships and and be um, you know basically have somebody else there that you're going to be. Uh, representing, then you're going to have to think about that and those things. Uh, but it is a great revenue stream. So I think that's what John and I were talking about before is that, you know, sponsorships are a great source of a diversified revenue stream and a, a, a main source of a revenue stream for a lot of folks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what it does is it gives you an opportunity to put the content first. Um, a lot of us, a lot of what we've talked about is building a general portfolio for your for your content and doing it to either sell or to um, find a, a revenue stream, uh, I guess, closer to what you're doing, Brad, with you know selling plans, sponsored videos, um, and a, as well as, you know, some more back end stuff that, that we'll get into in a later episode. But the the reason that you know, I started working with sponsors because I saw opportunity to create value, one, for my brand and two, for others. And, you know, I know a lot of us as makers and woodworkers or whatever we're doing with our crafts, you know, fall in love with some brands. And there's really some um, some of these companies that make our lives better, that we truly at our hearts enjoy. Um, and, and, and what building a diversified revenue stream with these brands does is it gives you an opportunity to really jump into something that's not just a cut and dry, build something, sell it and be done with it. And, it, and I, I find a lot of enjoyment in it, actually, because of the relationship building dynamic, uh, as well as the turning, you know, that uh, I guess, product that you're used to making into something a little more long-term based on the content and not just based on the end product. Um, so, so a lot of sponsors are, you know, jumping on into the social influence, social influencer sphere, you could call it because they're seeing the opportunity to, you know, to put their brand behind individuals that other people are seeing doing, um, considerable things in the social communities. Uh, YouTube obviously is a very big one. And then um, there's Instagram. There's also Facebook. You touched on blogging. Um, And the reason these brands are getting involved with these people is because they've done an amazing job of building community and they've built a following and a tribe, as we've talked about, that is bought into their brand, that's bought into their message. And brands that get tied to this type of um, content production really see a ton of value in it. Um, so for both ends of the spectrum, they're diversifying by not just doing, you know, commercials, billboards uh, and, and standard advertising, as well as the content and product creator is able to diversify um, by, you know, jumping into something that's not per se creating something and just selling the product at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I think you hit on it uh, right at the beginning is that for me, uh, it gives you an opportunity to really. Uh, lean in and partner with those brands that you believe in that you've been using, like you said. I mean, I think that that's kind of the the cool thing is that as you so as we talk about this, we'll talk about you know when uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, but obviously, once you can get to a spot where you you have a sizable audience, like John mentioned, so uh, they're looking for reach to your audience. And uh, the whole key here is that uh, when you're working with a sponsor, it is it it should be a win win situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are getting access to your audience, 
and uh, you are getting access to their tools and money and and you know there's lots of different ways and we'll talk more about that here as well but um, you're getting access to something that that you don't have and also some of these um, you know some of these brands have huge social media reach as well uh, so when you look at some of these brands have 500 600 uh, 700,000 followers over on Facebook. Um, and I think that's where a lot of these brands thrive is on Facebook. Uh, a lot of times they don't have a huge Instagram. They don't have a huge YouTube, uh, but brands really are, are big on Facebook. So as you're trying to grow Facebook, they can also uh, help you grow your pages that way. So it, it's a win-win when you get it in the right setup. And and it is something where, um, you know, it gives them also the opportunity to work in different spaces. So, you know, John, like yourself, right, you're you're metal and wood and I'm more DIY and woodworking. Uh, and then, you know, we just have folks all over the spectrum. And so it depends upon who the brand is. They could have an ambassadorship program and have all kinds of different people. And that's what's cool about it is that it's not honed in on any one specific uh, because brands are always looking, especially, you know, abrasive brands or brands like a, a finished brand that you could get in there as a straight up DIYer or a very fine woodworking, you know, hand tool user. They, you're both going to be using, possibly using, you know, a polyurethane finish, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of the, you know, we'll just, we'll stick to what we're, what we know in, in the woodworking community. And a lot of the brands and companies that are, that are in this are, very diversified across their product lines. So what they like to see across their content producers is diversification of themselves as well. And what that does is gives you an opportunity to stand out as an individual and build your own brand based on your uniqueness. And I mean, in, in my experience and in my, in my true belief is that when you're selling anything, you're actually selling yourself. And this is like the purest form of it because all I'm, I, when you're building a content sponsorship, you're selling you and your writing or your videography or your photography or whatever you're able to bring in the content sphere to the table. It's not essentially just that end finished product that, you know, some people might see a gorgeous, you know, we'll go with Sam Maloof. You might see a beautiful rocking chair that is world renowned and unbelievably well built and gorgeous, but you don't know the guy's face behind it until you look into it when this is the other end of the spectrum, you know, the face before the end product exists. So what it does is it, it puts you first and it puts, um, your, the face of your brand or your business in front. Um, and it creates a great opportunity for you to learn how to sell yourself one and two, how to build a brand based on your personality and your uniqueness. And those are the things that I think sponsors really like. And they let us, I mean, like you, you touched on and I do metal and woodworking and brands like that. I'm different and a little bit outside right. the box from who they've standardly been working with because I have, you know, a little bit more of a diversified skill set when it comes to how standard partnerships have been working in the past. And that's something that benefits me, you know, and Brad, Brad says it all the time. I mean, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm talking brand partnerships and sponsorships, I drop the hammer the minute I can get on the phone and, you know, like, yep, I played in the NFL for four years. Like that's a diversification point. That's something that makes <laughs> me unique. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty unique in that aspect. And, and I know that. And so sell yourself for what you are and sell yourself for who you are. That's what brands and, and sponsors want to see. And this is a, it's a great opportunity to do it. Someone might not buy your dining table because of what you used to do in the past, but someone definitely wants you to tell a story for them based on what you used, what you did in the past or what you're doing right, right now. And they yeah. love that stuff. And this is a great opportunity to diversify yourself. Um, excuse me, diversify your brand image as well as your revenue stream. And this is why, we like working with sponsors. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, just to, to wrap that up, I think exactly what you're saying is that working with a brand partner, working with a brand uh, is a great way to convert your brand equity into money, uh, right? Or into that partnership. And it doesn't always have to be money, but the brand, your brand equity. So we'll talk about, you know, brand equity. Your brand equity could be your story, could be mm -hmm. your, your, your work ethic, your work quality. Brand equity doesn't always have to be, I have X many subscribers, I have X many followers. Uh, brand equity is, is your story. And so it's what you're bringing to the table. And, you know, again, so John is a great example of, he's got something unique that, Nobody else that I know of in our space has, which is he has this story of, hey, I, I was in the NFL, which is, is intriguing it and brands, especially brands that align with uh, athletes, which, you know, John's been talking with some folks like that, that there are 
other you know people that are going to be more interested because of his backstory. And so just because his follower count not, might not be as high as somebody else's, he's going to have an advantage. And so, you know, what is your brand equity? That's one of the things to think about, you know, as you start looking at, at why working with sponsors. So I think that's a, was a kind of a great of, you know, what's in it uh, for the brand and what's in it for us. Uh, you know, obviously, again, you know, you can get product, you can get um, money and that can look at, you know, many different forms from ad hoc to multi-project to uh, year-long, multi-year deals, all these things. So uh, how does that work? So we just hit the why. So now, you know, how do you do this? Because I hear this a lot. I, I get this a lot in the DM and I know you do too, John, right? It's like, oh. hey man, how do I start working with sponsors? How do I work with sponsors? Um, and we hit on it in the Instagram series a bit, right? And we told them, right? What, what did we tell them in the Instagram series? Yeah, I think it was like uh, something along be engaging and use a passive voice, like jump into their posts, show them how much you appreciate their stuff, repost using their products. And you, and you start a conversation based on the usage of the brand and not so much wanting something from them because no one likes to be sold. And <laughs> I mean, if you can build a relationship before you come with an ask, you're always going to be on more favorable terms. And and I believe that's what we got at in the Instagram series. And, and it's funny yep. because, you know, going back to a minute ago, Brad talked about and jump and people jumping in the DMS, our relationship began because I saw Brad absolutely murdering it with brands. And I messaged him on Instagram before you could message anybody. And it like, <laughs> and, and somehow got a hold of him. No, I got your email and I emailed you. And yes. Just, you know, but stalker, I you, stalker one Oh one go, oh, go dude. for the email. Yeah. <laughs> go, go deep. But, uh, <laughs> I asked you how you work with brands. And I mean, and this was the exact same thing you told me that might've been two and a half, three years ago, you know, was start by building a foundation, showing them that you actually enjoy and use their products and, you know, then go into, uh, you know, maybe shooting them an email and seeing if you can do a something small, blah, 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 and continue from there. But everything starts with building that relationship. Yeah. So, you know, you, if you're going to go and, and establish any type of sales funnel or any type of, uh, of, of, you know, I guess, marketing, you should start with a relationship, uh, at, at least in our opinion, you know, this is how both of us are winning and, and essentially use the mentality of like, what can I do for you? And that's something that's always been successful for me on my end. Um, I always lead with how I can try and add value to whomever I'm trying to work with, or even if I'm selling a product, you know, why am I different than Joe Schmo or the guy next door? And what can I bring to the table for you? So, Starting out with a relationship and starting out by giving something to them, a sponsor or a client is always going to be beneficial. Um, and, and I always go into it with that, you know, what can I do for you mentality um, and that add value, you know, right off the bat. And for me, as you said, Brad, it was it's my brand equity. It's, it's my story. You know, I lead with that because I know one, it's going to get attention. And two, it's going to be something that I, I truly believe in myself, one and two, you know, that embodies my brand image. Um, and I don't I don't even touch on numbers until it gets to that part of the conversation. Right. Yeah. And I think we talked about, we hit it a couple of times as well, is start the conversation. And that's exactly where we're going here. But I think that the interesting thing is, is that the, um, I, I see it go several different ways. And the key to this, and we talk about this, and, you know, John mentions, you know, hitting them up and saying what you can do for them. But authenticity, I think, is really something that you need to keep in mind because this is not, uh, you know, this isn't, like, hey, I'm I'm just plastering and just keep posting, man, I love Brand X. Brand X is the best. And, and like, if you really do love them, that's great. But uh, you can also go too far, right? So don't like have every other post you're tagging them and talking like, you know, constantly tagging them, tagging them in your photos. Like, you know, there's a mount of, of discretion <laughs> as well. Yeah. And, and that they're going to see that. So if they see somebody that's just like so over the top and constantly tagging and calling them out, um, and then and then coming in with an ask about, oh, hey, you know, I, I hope you've seen the stuff I've been doing. Like, yes, of course, we've seen it. Everybody's seen it. Um, yeah. So I, I think be, that <laughs> don't be salesy. Like you said, don't you be know, spammy. Don't, yeah. yeah don't be spammy. spammy. Right. Like, we exactly. Talked, we talked about that before. It's like being spammy is never going to get you anywhere. I mean, if you were just trying if you're trying to get somebody's attention in real life, 
and you're standing in front of them jumping up and down and they're still not paying attention to you, you got to change your tactic. So (laughs) (laughs) essentially you're doing the same thing on digital. If you're pounding at them with hashtags and and pounding at them with uh, DMS and, and messages and comments, like take a little bit more of a passive voice. Don't don't be a spam monster and and <laughs> and right. uh, be more genuine and exactly like Brad said, be authentic. If you're enjoying their tools and stuff, they should be in your posts already. They should be in your videos. They should be getting subtle, um, you know, brand recognition via the usage of them on your platform. They'll get noticed there um, as much better than you know trying to. <laughs> trying to punch down the door. And, and yeah, exactly. exactly. And I think so. The, and the, the second part of that would be, um, you know, don't feel like you're running a sprint. Okay. So Long I think if play. you go into it, yeah, if you go into it with a sprint mentality, like, man, I, by the end of the month, I need to get, uh, get in with these guys because, you know, that's my goal. Um, you know, stage into it. Like, yeah, I think it's a good thing to gauge you can gauge and maybe again, I think we talked about it in the Instagram thing is if you look at, instead of focusing on just one, maybe you're looking at five different ones uh, that your brands that you would love to work with and then gauge the reception. And then when you see, you get that reception from one of them that they, that they're bought in and they're responding. Maybe they, you know, if they, if a brand ever reposts something that you've done, man, jump on that. Like thank, you know, send them a DM, thank them. If you've not already been DMing them, if a brand ever reposts, one of your photos that you have tagged them in, which is great. You definitely want to be tagging brands and showing how you're using that. Uh, so we're just saying, don't do it in a spammy nature. But if they repost that, boom, like they're giving you credit, right? They're saying, wow, we've seen what you did. We like it and we're going to repost it. So that is a great intro uh, to jump in and, and start that conversation. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you might DM them and they might not hit you back, right? So again, you have to, you have to get the long play. Uh, but not only on social, I think another great place, I know, John, we've both had some success is um, even better is is in live person, man. I know we're all in the Internet and this is a podcast and all this good stuff. But, man, if you can meet these people live and in person, that is worth its weight in gold because it, it's just it breaks down everything else. You're sitting there. You're talking to a person. Right. You're like, hey, my name's John. Hi, I'm Susie. Uh, And you're talking to them. And it's it's awesome because then you can get to know them. You can uh, have that conversation. You can tell your story. They can see your excitement. Um, You don't have to worry about how they're reading the posts. And I've had a lot of great interactions at trade shows. So like the woodworking shows, um, conferences, those are great places. Uh, If they come locally, I know like some of these brands do tours and they'll go around to the local woodcraft. Go hit those up, man. If you have a chance to go to a trade show or a conference and you want to talk to sponsors, that is a great place to do it. 100%. And that's something that I didn't even really get to get any experience with until we went down to Atlanta and went to the woodworking show this spring. You walk in there and, you know, I got to shake the hands of people whose tools have been providing value to me for years and literally just introduce myself and say thanks. And starting out on that foot is is fantastic. Last summer, I bumped into a few of them down in... uh, down at an event called Staffda, it's uh, it's a little more of a if it's a different realm, you can't just get into it. But I met a bunch of uh, you know, a bunch of the big bigger tool companies that were down there, just walking around, introducing myself, using their stuff, telling them how appreciative I was. Well, you know, six eight months goes by. I'm at another trade show, bumping into a couple of the same guys. You know, now we're building relationships, and they're just asking me if I want product. And you know, that's an easy way to start with brands. Um, but that relationship has been started because we, I came in with a passive voice. You know, I, I started to build a relationship and just let them know how much I enjoyed their product and how much it was making me a better woodworker, a better craftsman, whatever. And then you're seeing them again in person. Same thing as anytime you're selling or trying to build a relationship. And, and uh, yeah, huge value in, in doing it in person. And <laughs> like you said, in this digital sphere, it's something that's a very, very different <laughs> They could go by the wayside. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of these, um, a lot of the calls and stuff that I have, you jump on a Skype and then you're face to face, and it's like, oh my goodness, (laughs) like there's real people behind these brands. Oh wow, that's an insane thought. But yeah, so if there's an opportunity to go and meet some people in person, definitely take advantage of that. That's a great way to, you know, get your face in front of someone, get your brand in front of someone, and start building those relationships. Yeah, and there's you know some cities that obviously are are much more. 
prolific in the conference arena. So like Atlanta is a huge one. There's tons of events in Atlanta, Las Vegas. Uh, so if you're not near a city, I know, uh, you know, they have the woodworking shows that travel. I, I will say the woodworking shows are um, not maybe the best just because a lot of those folks are sales folks. They are not the actual marketing. So if you're going to be talking to people, you really what, what you want to do is talk to uh, probably the marketing team, sometimes the product team, product and engineering, uh, but the, the marketing. But if it's the salesperson there, so maybe you start the conversation. Oh, hey, yeah, what do you do for the company? Um, and I think we, you know, we met a guy from one of the spray booth uh, uh, from one of the spray setups and, mm-hmm. you know, he was a sales guy and he was like sales and, and tech support. Uh, but we asked him like, oh, yeah, who, who should we talk to? And you know, he gave us a name of somebody over in marketing. So that is like, if, if the right person is not there, uh, don't be afraid to ask, you know, so say, Hey, you know, do you guys have, uh, you know, blogger relations or social media influencers, or do you have a content campaign? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different buzzwords that different companies use, but you can ask those people and they should be able to, to point you in the right direction. So I, I think the, the third way, which, so if you got, you have online kind of social media, you have in person, but the third way to also engage them um, is looking at their website. I mean, that's an easy way, too, is that there's a lot of contact information on the websites. There are contact uh, emails. Sometimes there's even phone numbers. Uh, but most of the time you can get an email off of a website if you're really having trouble um, running them running into them on social, uh, you know, social is going to be number one, but if you can't get to these trade shows, you might try, uh, an email and, and go to the contact page, the about us. Sometimes the press releases are a good place because the mm-hmm. whoever's running the press releases is likely the same person, uh, who is doing, you know, kind of the marketing and, and ad campaigns, um, which would be the same people that work with influencers. Exactly. That's a, so that's a little hack for you guys. Uh, jot a note, press releases. Um, they're always going to have someone from marketing or social, uh, listed on there. Um, and that'll be a more direct contact if you're trying to, you know, work with, work with one of those brands. So good little tip there, Brad. I've been yeah. using that one for years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause not everybody's on, I mean, not everybody's on Instagram, right? I mean, that, which no, is a place looking, where we hit a lot of people up. I was literally looking to work with a brand. Um, today I called one of my other brands that I know has a relationship with them. And they're like, I was like, they're not on Instagram. What do I do? And I was like, wait, <laughs> what on earth would I do? They're not <laughs> like, on Instagram. How does the world exist outside of this, yeah. this application? Well, see, um, if they're I, not yeah, on so Instagram, then <laughs> yeah. But if they're not on Instagram, I'm just, you know, I'm probably not going to talk to them anyway. Cause like, yeah, they'll be like, yeah, hey, well, I'm huge on Instagram. They'll be like, well, what's that? And I'll be like, well, oh, never, never mind. <laughs> what I'm noticing is a lot of there. So, that's, I guess this kind of leads into, to the when, which is going to be our next, next segment, um, is, you know, when to approach specific brands or sponsors. Um, and in that case, you know, a lot of these smaller brands, you know, possibly don't have all the social platforms, you know, they might have a Facebook and a Twitter because they were earlier and might not be on Instagram yet. Um, and, and just be, uh, you know, just segueing from our last conver- part of the conversation, don't be afraid to approach those brands still because what you'll be able to do is, I, to a degree, justify the importance of Instagram and establish a relationship for when they do get on the platform, one, or two, to show them how important that platform can be. Um, and I've kind of tried doing this. Um, but if you remember years ago, not everyone was on Instagram regardless, and they were just starting out. I um, mean, I still work with a couple brands that are trying to build Instagram followings that are almost brand new. And, yeah. and so I don't, I know I don't stick strictly to just Instagram, you know, style brands, because a lot of the smaller ones will be, you know, on one or two platforms and because they don't have massive social, social media teams to run all this. I mean, you, it takes a lot of effort to run a social media campaign oh, yeah. for yourself. When you get into being a huge, you know, multi-million dollar company, it's different ball game there. So, um, so yeah, so the when to approach brands thing, it kind of is a roundabout way, but <laughs> when to approach them, I'm going to say is more based on when you feel your brand is established and has a value add for a sponsor over having specific numbers. Um, and my, my reasoning for that is kind of what we touched on earlier. I... Uh, I've had success selling myself to sponsors and brands with lower numbers because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on building a relationship. I'm working on building a long play and something long term. And I know that just because my numbers aren't here now, the way my brand's been established and the people that are following, because I'm trying to build a tribe 
are going to be bought into the brands I'm working with and not just feel like I'm throwing ads down their throat. Um, so, you know, kind of, so thinking about it, you know, when is it, am I too small to approach this brand? Well, if that's your mentality, and you're not confident enough in your own brand package, you know, continue to work on building your following, building your tribe. And when that question is no longer in your head, I think that's when you're ready to start approaching sponsors. What do you, I mean, what, so what's your opinion there, Brad? I agree with you that uh, it's going to be different, right? It's going to be different for the size of the audience. But I, I think that goes hand in hand. I was uh, As we were talking about this, I was just thinking it kind of almost goes hand in hand with hashtagging if you think about it that way, you know? So it's like, okay, if I want to go work with, uh, you know, if I want to try to be known in the woodworking hashtag, I need a much bigger audience, right? But if I want to go get known in the rustic air force, I don't need that big of an audience. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so when you, when you go in and you think about it, that don't be discouraged because you have a small following. And I completely agree with you on that, John, because, um, I know a lot of, a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, geez. Uh, but what I would say is go ahead and look around. I mean, you see people all the time doing giveaways that are, you know, a thousand, five hundred follower, two thousand followers. So these are, you know, I mean, great milestones, uh, but there are companies getting behind that. So there are companies that will definitely and, you know, obviously most of those are just going to be, hey, I'm, I'm giving you a, some free product and whatever the, the price of that might may vary. Um, but there are. Uh, smaller firms and smaller brands that you can connect with as a small time person. And especially if you can get that, um, that brand to, you know, and not even that brand. So at that point in time, this is really where it's about the personal relationship, right? If you can get into a personal relationship um, and, and sell them on your story and sell them on, Hey, here's what, here's what's going on. They look at you and go, wow, this, you know, this guy or gal really has it going on and they're dedicated and they're excited about the product. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw them some product and we're going to see how this thing goes. Like, I have absolutely seen that. Um, and that's really kind of how I got started. Like, I, I kind of fell into it. Um, I kind of told the story about about with Rigid and it was uh, through a giveaway. They, they sponsored a giveaway uh, for me and they uh, gave me the product. Uh, you know, no compensation or anything. They just said, here, we'll, we'll give you... Uh, a drill and you can give that away. And so I did that and that was great. And you, you know, you look four years down the road, what it's turned into. So, uh, you, you start small. Don't be worried about that, about the brand size either. So, um, I think what John and I were talking about is, you know, if you are smaller and you don't want to go approach, you know, festival, then hit up some, <laughs> of, <laughs> which you're not going to have success with, by the way, uh, but yeah, go hit up some of the smaller success, guys. Yeah, let us know what's up. Uh, start <laughs> off with the consumables because uh, the other thing yes. John and I were talking about, there are so many consumable brands out there. And when we say consumables, uh, we're talking about just the whole gamut of anything used in the shop, but but especially um, finishes. I know there's some big finish companies out there, but you would be surprised how many actual finish companies. I mean, I could probably list off 10 or 15, you know, without breaking a sweat. Yeah. Uh, and there's way more than that. So there's all these specialized folks that... You know, they, and it's going to be one guy. So when I said it's about the personal relationship, it's going to be one person and they might be the owner and the marketer and like, you know, it might be him and his brother, right? And they're, they're running the company. And so when you talk to them, like I, I worked with a company who it was a startup um, and I didn't, you know, they gave me uh, some product to use and it was great uh, because like, I know, like, I'm not going to ask them for money because I know they don't have the money. So, uh, you know, for the smaller guys, that's all they're going to be able to give is product. But it's a great way to start that relationship and a great way to also just get experience with working with sponsors as well. For sure. And, and, and going back to the, like the whole concept of the when principle, when are you using their products? Well, consumables, you're using them all the time. And that's something you should consider when you're trying to approach sponsors. Brad has a great point here. Finishes is just one segment of what we use when we're building things. But there's so many brands out there that you're able to add value and opportunity for them because there's so many different um, so many different other companies in the space creating competition. So thinking about it, you know, if you want to approach a, one of the big, excuse me, if you want to approach a large Finnish company and ask for free whatever, you're probably going to have much better success regardless of your numbers, regardless of your size, asking somebody else 
in going along the fact of I've been using this brand, but I'm looking to branch out kind of mentality. And those guys will always be willing to at least have a conversation with you. And that gives you an opportunity right. to sell them on your differentiation point. So, you know, back to what we were saying, the, the when concept, I, I would, you know, that those number, your numbers don't actually matter there. You know, Brad and I see every single day when we're, when we're chatting up, brands are starting to work with smaller, smaller influencers. And there's a ton of brands that are coming out and doing social influencer marketing um, because they're seeing the opportunity to get more eyeballs on their stuff. And a lot of these smaller companies that are, have consumable products are consistently launching new products, one, and two, they want to get as wide as possible because of that. Um, so they want people seeing their stuff from, you know, woodworking to automotive to metalworking to all kinds of places, especially if they're doing stuff like finish, if they're doing stuff like abrasives, if they're doing stuff like fasteners, because these companies have products that go across um, yeah. multiple, you know, uh, excuse me, multiple trades. So they're a lot more willing to work with smaller num new met metric, I guess, um, based brands and, and, and content creators. Um, so yeah, definitely start out with consumables and, and get your feet wet, you know, see how to build a relationship and do the things we said earlier on building, building that relationship based on a value add, building that relationship on differentiation and selling yourself to that brand for a long play and not just for free stuff because I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of those relationships just fall out the door because, you know, it both, you could sense it on both sides and, Hey, I just want free product. And yeah, <laughs> I, and, and <laughs> that was That's a learning great. curve for me and, you know, it didn't, and it was my fault, but, uh, you live and learn and you, and you move on to the next part. So, uh, the when is kind of an iffy, I guess it's kind of like a both sides of the wall type conversation. Um, obviously you're going to get a lot more attention when your numbers are bigger because there's a lot of old school marketers out there still that see value because there is in, in having a larger audience, but there is a lot of brands out there that see value in the individual and in the person and a lot more of the good marketers and the younger people in these marketing roles will definitely see value in your brand if there's value there. And it's not just you know, based right. on how many followers you have or how many subscribers you have type thing. Yeah. So let, let's uh, let's hit on a little bit. Let's go a little bit deep, deeper into what that looks like and like maybe what the breaking points are. Right. So where where is it? You know, so what does that mean, John? What does having a big following mean? And, and when should I expect to be, you know, somebody that a brand would would want to work with? Um, I think personally, you know, you can look at the kind of numbers and you can see the break points. I mean, like 10,000 is obviously you know, when you go into five digits, that's a, a clear breaking point. I think 10,000 again, you know, on, on YouTube probably means a, a little bit more than 10,000 on on Instagram per se. But I think that is um, a great point where all of a sudden it's like, oh, OK, yeah, you get 10,000 like that, that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, um, I mean, you, yeah, you might YouTube's even have people, interesting because it, you you can get subscribers because it's evergreen. You know, people will subscribe to your channel if you haven't posted in years. But if you have to be putting effort in to hit that 10,000. So, right. Yeah. You, yeah, got, you can't just, yeah, you can't just overnight pick up 10,000 people. Right. I mean, you got to work your butt off on any platform to get 10,000 people. Yes. Uh, so I think the, that the brands will see that. So when you, you know, if you're at that level, um, you know, you're, you're probably not going to have people approaching you. But at the same point, um, you know, I think you could have a little bit of confidence going in and saying, hey, yo, like if they and you wouldn't want to lead with that either. Right, John, I mean, I think you mentioned that, too. Like when you no. go, you lead with your story. You don't go, hey, I've got uh, 60,000 people on Instagram and 25,000 YouTube subscribers. You know, you say, yo, my name is John Malecki and I build awesome stuff and I'm an ex NFL guy and I'm really cool and I have a big, sexy tattoo on my arm. Yeah. And I mean, I literally write that out in bullet points. So it's crystal clear, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you're hundred percent right. Lead with what actually adds value to that brand and that company. For me, for instance, it's not my numbers because they're not that big, but I am, you know, I personally feel and I'm super passionate and definitely hundred percent bought into my brand and know that I can differentiate myself and I know I can bring new eyeballs and a different X to your product. Uh, being seen to my audience because you guys see me one way, you know, you guys see Brad another way, you see X other person a different way. You know, Brad's selling point is exactly what he was saying earlier. He's in the more of the DIY in the space than I am. So I'm not going to go to quote unquote DIY brands and try to sell what Brad's selling like that. That's just no, it's not uh, what these guys want to see. I, I go in with my differentiation point and then 
if they even ask, then I lead into the numbers and send my media kit over. And yeah, and that's after I can hopefully get a conversation started. Absolutely. And so I, I think you hit on a good point there, John. I mean, even at at your level and my level, like I don't ever go in and go, oh, hey, you want to work with me because I just hit 200,000 followers on Instagram. Like that's not no. that's not cool. And that's not like I, it's it's kind of like, you know, it's respectful. But also the thing is, is that guess what? They get that pitch yes. all day long is all that day. people come in and there's always going to be people higher than you. And there's always going to be people lower than you. Right. So when you come in and you say, hey, my numbers are X, you've turned yourself into a number. Yes. And you have devalued your brand to a number and your brand is not a number. Your brand is you. Your brand is your your company. Your brand is your craftsmanship, your work. Your brand is your content, the way you put it together and how you go to business. So yeah, I think that's a total overarching. So we talk a lot about numbers, but that's all to support it. But, um, you know, don't let that uh, define you and don't let that lead you. It helps. Believe me. Right. I mean, at some point they're going to get to that conversation more than likely it will go there. Uh, but when you get to that conversation, they go, Oh, huh? Well, yeah, he's, he's got 20,000 versus, you know, maybe I thought he had 40,000. Well, all of a sudden that gap has been bridged because they've already bought in and it doesn't matter that you have 20 versus 40, you know, now if you have 500, yeah, you know, you might have an uphill battle. But, um, again, I, I think, you know, what we've just been hitting on is, um, the win is less important as, you know, the why and the how, as we talked about of, building those relationships, uh, making sure it's a win-win, doing it in an authentic way, and making sure that um, you know you have a good story to tell them and that you know what your brand story is so you know why you you know are better for them or or basically you know that it is. So not that you're selling, hey, I'm better, because we don't do that either. I don't go in and say, you need to work with me because I'm better than John. I say, here's what I am. You know, does this fit with your brand? It's not about trying to one up. And I think that's actually a really cool thing too, John, that um, what I found really awesome, especially in the YouTube space, uh, is that the makers and the YouTube creators are, are a great group. It is not like a competition cutthroat. There is a ton of help. Uh, you know, obviously John and I talk, like I talk to so many YouTubers uh, yeah. just about like, hey, you know, how are things going? Like, where are you succeeding? Um, you know, obviously not sharing anything that's confidential or anything like that, but just trying to, to help each other. Like, Hey, you know, again, helping them grow their channels, having people help me grow my channels where I, you know, have gaps and that, um, it's because you're not in there competing because your story is not the same. So like when John and I go to a vendor, like there are vendors or brands that are going to choose solely on numbers, but the, you know, the vast majority are going to choose because you fit what their brand wants to do. And it is not a decision. You know, if they're looking at me or John, then one of us fits that profile. We're not, you know, more than likely, we're not going to both fit what they're looking for uh, unless they have, you know, wide open scope and they're trying to fill several different slots. We will fill different slots underneath that brand because of the differentiation in the story. Exactly. And and uh, I like the one thing you touched on there and it kind of. I, I like this quote, and I, I don't know who said it, so if, if one of you guys do, you can let me know. But it, but it, the ship rises and falls with the tide. So all of us are in this together. And I mean, the, the YouTube community, it's not a cutthroat competition when it comes to content creators. There might be some competition when it comes to other parts of it. But at least from our experience is everyone out there is trying to win, and we're all trying to do this together. Um, so, you know, what that does is emphasizes all of our mentalities on one being unique, differentiating yourself and putting yourself out there and two, putting people first and not the numbers or not the money first. Um, and, and that's one, like, that's one thing that I take to heart in life. And, and I think Brad's the same way is, you know, people first will always get you further than putting dollar signs, profits or revenue first, because, uh, those are the, those are the type of, those are the parts of business that are easily able to be destroyed and taken away. Um, when it's much more difficult to, you know, destroy a relationship or for people to, 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 to be lost. And I, uh, so I always lead with, you know, as I said, 
people first. How can I help you? You know, wh- what can I do to add value to your brand, your company, even if it's a client and I'm selling them something like, what can I do to make your life better, easier, whatever it might be? Having that mentality will definitely put you in a better opportunity to succeed. Thinking first about people, thinking first about relationship instead of numbers and metrics when it comes to sales is, is, is 100% the way to go. And I know it's, it works for both of us and you could probably ask anybody out there, you know, it's, it's probably working for them too. Um, yeah. yeah so I, I think I just, one more thing on that, I, because I was, I was talking with, uh, you said with Ben Ueda down at Haven and I loved his outlook on it. And when you're working with people, the thing is, is you have to think about that. You are working with a person and they are at a job and they are trying to succeed. So how can you make them look good? How can you help them personally win? Because guess what? They might be a marketing manager today uh, or a social media manager, you know, entry level. But as they go through their career, they're going to move um, a to different companies and then they're going to get promotions. And down the line, they might be, you know, the director of marketing for a totally different brand. But they remember you or you've been working with them this whole time and they go, oh, yeah, you know, this this is a a relationship that I believe in. And so that's the first person like when they have a campaign that comes up, they're not even going to go look. They're going to come straight to you because, John, exactly like you said, it's the long play. Uh, So I think having those relationships can as you start doing it year over year and, and this becomes something that you're working on over a long course of time is that you're going to also grow along with those relationships and those people that you're, you know, have good relationships with are going to have more opportunities that they're going to be looking for people to fill. And if you're that person, uh, if you're in good relationship with them, then boom, all of a sudden you've got a foot up on, on getting, you know, into that campaign or into that, whatever it is that they have going on. A hundred percent. And a great book talking about people, as you know, I'll always like to reference Love my in books, the books is, um, is, cre- <laughs> is, Creativity Inc. It's by um, Ed Catmull and Amy Wallace. Uh, the book is about the uh, like the overcoming the unforeseen forces of Pixar's creation um, and how Pixar became one of the greatest creative agencies to ever exist, um, redefining uh, how you know digital movies and and animated animation, excuse me. So, um, they, they talk about putting people first a lot and a lot of this stuff in the book is relatable to what we're talking about right now. So highly suggest that we will have a link for you, um, as we always do and, uh, check that one out. If you guys are looking for a great read, um, this book comes highly recommended from a lot of people in the creative sphere. So I thoroughly liked it. It, you know, hammers home the people first concept. Um, great tie in there. And we naturally got to this, talking about it. So it's good (laughs) to see that other people agree with us. (laughs) But I mean, it it is because it is true. If you're putting people first, it'll always lead to a more beneficial situation. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, so we had a, we do have a few things to think about though, um, before you engage with a sponsor and uh, I don't want to look at it as more like walking on eggshells or being, um, hesitant as much as have this in the back of your mind type thing. Right, Brad? Cause it's, it's right. There's a lot going on when it comes to con- content sponsorship relationships and, uh, and, and you want to make sure that you're not sacrificing a lot of your brand in order to just work with somebody else or vice versa. You don't want to take from that brand and not provide, you know, uh, well, what they're looking for. So, um, right. Cause that won't last long either. That is not how we do business or yeah, how we, no, how we like or, to or how, coach people. If you, <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, if you're not given an, enough, then they're just not going to sign you for the next one either. Right. They're like, okay, well, that was great that, you know, you got that one time hit, but you're not going to get any more. So uh, absolutely. I think, you know, you're hitting on the brand image part of it too, is mm-hmm. when you think about what are those brands that you want to partner with uh, at some point as, as you all grow, um, you know, somebody's going to reach out to you and they're going to go, Hey man, I love your stuff. I'd love to, to work with you. And, and that, that's a, that's different too. So uh, when you are approaching brands, it's easier because you can select, right? You can go and, and you can approach yep. brands. But what I will tell you is that there is, I mean, there it, it's awesome. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. It's amazing when a brand reaches out to you unsolicited, uh, not because you've been necessarily tagging them and doing these things, but they just reach out to you. Uh, and, then you're faced with the decision as well of, okay, so how does this brand fit with my brand image? And is this a good mesh, 
right? So, um, and, and there's all kinds of things. I mean, you know, and you can go as deep as you want as far as, you know, do you agree with their political stances in that? Because I know some people do think, uh, you know, that's really important to them. Uh, but even more so of just like John said. So if uh, if it was a DIY brand that somebody came and they were, were doing, you know, macrame stencils, that's probably not even a thing. That's knitting and stenciling, <laughs> whatever. And they come to John and they're like, John, we want to give you five grand. And John likes cash. But guess what? Like if John shills himself out and just starts peddling, uh, I'm pretty sure macrame is like knitting. So I guess a stencil wouldn't work. But anyway, <laughs> if he wants to be a knitter and take the knitting money, uh, guess what? <laughs> he's he's going to lose uh, a lot of respect from his audience because they're going to go, well, wow, this is not authentic at all. Like, what? I know John knits behind closed doors, but we've never seen him on his channel knit. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my, it's how I stay warm in the winter. It gets cold up here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, you nailed it. Uh, you're going to have brands reaching. I mean, this is its business when it comes down to it and brands want exposure. You're going to have brands that start reaching out to you and asking you um, to use their products and for product placement more than for paid sponsorship. And when this happens, you need to be considering your brand image and if it actually fits with what that brand wants. Um, a lot of times it'll come from a tangential, uh, I guess, type of product market. So uh, I touched on it a little bit earlier, like I'll get a decent amount of automotive brands that are selling consumables and stuff like that, trying to um, do some product placement on my channels. And it's because you can kind of see the gray lines between me using their stuff. Um, but I usually turn it down because it doesn't embody what I'm trying to do with my brand image along the same lines. You know, we're all building home furnishings and doing remodeling DIY type stuff. I've gotten brands that want me to use, you know, house cleaning supplies and such and stuff that goes into the home and it doesn't fit me as well. Even though the dollar sign, it's like, Oh, money's money. No, if you're building a real brand, you're building a true tribe. You need to keep the brand first and not sell out um, for every opportunity that comes falling into your lap. Yeah. And, I mean, at the same point, though, I think there is the ability for brand expansion, though. Right. So, you know, also, like if you see, hey, this is a good niche uh, that I'm in. But, you know, there are some things like you said, like I have seen actually a couple channels that do like have done like an automotive offshoot. Right. So maybe there are that's kind of the cool thing is that if you do get approached that, you know, maybe it doesn't go on your main channel. Maybe you start a second channel or especially on your blog there, you can do a new series. Uh, but it should be obviously something that, you know, is something you're authentically, uh, interested in and that you can get behind. Uh, but maybe it's not your main focus, but you know, there's always new opportunities. So that's the other cool thing is that you have to look at it and how does this fit my brand image? And do I want to, uh, you know, is it part of my my long term goal to go into different areas or do I want to be just laser focused in woodworking or metalworking or, or whatever you're doing? So, yeah, I think that's a great point there, John. Um, you know, the other thing you have to think about is exclusivity. And when brands uh, start approaching you. So when you when you're getting free product, you know, there's typically no strings attached with with free product other than maybe, hey, would you. Uh, would you write a review? Would you give us a shout out? Would you do a blog post, maybe a video? Uh, but as far as, you know, that, oh, you can't, if you're using the blue brand, you can't use the yellow brand and, you know, saying, you know, putting any kind of constraints on you. Um, but at the same time, as if you're picking up these deals and getting free product from everybody, uh, I think that also goes back to what we were just saying about that authenticity is that are you using those tools just because you're getting from free or do you really believe in those tools and and that that may or may not, um, you know, just from looking at what you're using, that's probably not going to build you up with any of them. You're going to be you know, more diluted across all of them versus saying, hey, I really believe in the purple brand and I'm doubling down and that's what I'm going to have in my shop. And if they give me some free stuff, great. If not, that's OK, too, because I've, I bought this with my money and the, they're the ones I believe in. Um, so, you know, that's something else to weigh is like as you are presenting these products and taking these products is that you're presenting you know, you are advertising for a company. Every time you use a company's product and you share it on social media or on YouTube uh, as a video or whatever, you are saying, I believe in this product because I am using that. And so I think, uh, you know, don't take that lightly because uh, it says something about it. And even though you might not think about it, it does. 
Yeah, no doubt. And that's uh, exclusivity is a it's a it's a finicky word because it's used so often. And so I want exclusive rights to this or I want exclusive rights to that or blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it's hard because, you know, some we'll go with tool companies. Some tool companies just don't offer the same tools as other ones. So you can't be exclusive because you're using something that they don't offer. But along the same lines, you know, if you want to be, I mean, if you're, if you want to be a high end uh, fabrication or woodworker and you're using certain brands that don't give that off, you know, it could have a negative appeal to some higher end brands that have thrown you cash or that have showed you sponsorship because of, um, you know, there's, there's tears when it comes to that stuff. So, uh, keeping exclusivity in your mind when it comes to your brand image, uh, especially it's like, do I want to be working with, you know, strictly top tier tool companies that I'm purchasing their stuff and creating my products with, or am I cool to work with any tool to show that you're able to build beautiful things with, you know, whatever you've got in the garage, like that is, that comes down to your brand image. And, um, and it matters to these other brands because they want to see their tools being used in a way that they think embodies their brand as well. Um, and, and so it, it's a, it's a, it's finicky, like I said, um, but it's something you should definitely keep in mind. You know, if you've got a whole shop full of a certain tool and that's something you believe in selling out for something else, just for the sake of selling out, it's not going to be true to your brand. And, you know, you've been, uh, ex, I guess an ex loyalist for so long, you know, just be weary of how that's seen and how that comes across when it comes to your brand image, because it's obviously going to be reflected throughout your social and it's going to be what the other brand's seeing anyway. Right. And I want to just be personally, like, I, I mean, I hate the, I hate the whole selling out thing. And the wood talk guys have a real funny, uh, thing about hitting, hitting the, the selling out and people selling out. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that, so in just in that instance, right? So if I've been a brand X loyalist for a long time, but, and I've been pounding on their door and they're not picking me up for whatever reason, and I find brand Y and their products are just as good, but I've just not typically used them. Like, and they're interested in working with you. Like, you know, like, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily because it, when you just back to what you said, John, right, this is a business. And uh, now I wouldn't go from a top tier tool manufacturer down to, you know, somebody you can only buy exclusively off Amazon importing, you know, through. Yeah. Harbor Freight. Right, we'll go with that. South <laughs> Asia. <laughs> and you just blew the Harbor Freight uh, sponsorship, John. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. But but yes. Right. So, yeah, I wouldn't go from like, oh, man, like I've this fest tool. But now I'm going to go use this this Harbor Freight uh, angle grinder because I just couldn't get into the, the festival or, or whatever it is that, um, you know, I don't think that switching brands, comparable brands and it being a quality product. I don't personally think there's anything wrong with that because I think that again, it is a business and if it's going to provide you, you know, if, if it's going to get the job done, you know, I don't think that, um, I know there's a lot of sensitivity towards that, but if you believe in it and then you're like, Oh yeah, I've, I've just never used them before. I mean, maybe you've never used them before. Uh, cause there's new brand, new tool brands coming on board all the time. Right. And that's their struggle is that they have to pull new people in to get, and they have to get people to use their product. Uh, and obviously you're going to change over because if a brand new tool company come on the scene, like, uh, win, the, uh, win, have you heard of these guys, the W E N? Um, yeah. yeah. So, and they're, they're low price tools. So not a perfect example, but they're a new brand where I'm starting to see their stuff everywhere. So if they all of a sudden said, Hey, we want to get some sponsored content. Um, you know, there is no history with them. So anybody that goes, you could be, Oh, you're selling out. Uh, but you know, again, I think it's like, hey, if you're if you're switching and you're using tools that you do believe in and that are getting the job done for you, and I know you weren't saying that, I just that was a, a little pet peeve of mine when people say, "Oh man, you sold out." It's like, well, yeah, if providing for my family, selling out, then I guess I did. But <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm I'm sold out as well. Um, what I was trying to get to, and and I know I like to babble a bit, was essentially just if you've been X person for so long, and then all of a sudden you're switching over, just realize that that matters to your community as well as to the brand. And those are things to keep in mind when you're talking to these companies, you know, like I've been been using, you know, a couple of these very high end companies for a long, for the four years I've been building my social channels, all of a sudden I've jumped to a completely different end of the spectrum when it comes to uh, tool variety and it's going to look a certain way. So that exclusivity when it comes to, you know, who you're working with, um, is, is just something to keep in the back of your head. And then as well as if you do get into negotiations 
and a brand does ask for ex- exclusivity, be prepared. Um, right. Because that, that is a whole different ballgame. And that's something that, um, I mean, th- those are the type of terms. And they're not that common, I've noticed. But those are the type of terms that um, when it comes yeah. to dollar signs, you're really having to you know, make sure that you're delivering on. Because you could make mistakes and you could have an exclusivity clause in your contract for X brand. <laughs> Something pops right. up in a video that they're sponsoring and, they, and they're not happy with it. Um, you look bad, they look bad. And that all happened because X... T- if someone else wanted exposure and sent you a tool and it's right. just, yeah. shelf, you, <laughs> and know, you like, just fumbled and, into it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you get, those things and happen. that's not until the big, yeah. And that's, you know, the, and that is, that is definitely a thing, but it's not, you know, until the, the bigger guys, yeah. I think in the, the bigger contracts, mm-hmm. obviously, but just kind of, you know, wrapping this up, I think that, um, you're spot on. And I think what we talked about is that no matter if you choose the highest end product and tool or the lowest end product or tool, guess what? somebody's going to hate on you for it. And somebody's going to say you sold out and somebody's oh, going to be no doubt. Right. I mean, you use, well, well yeah, if I had $20,000 worth of equipment in my shop, then I could do that too. Get or it every if day. Keep it coming guys. I mean, <laughs> I if you want to talk, talk smack on me for using Festool, I bought all of it with my own money that I made building my business. So uh, keep the people smack talk coming. love <laughs> to hate on Festool. But the same thing, like if you're on the low end, then it's like, you know, the people like, oh, well, why do you that that thing's such a piece of crap? Like, why are you using that? So like no matter what you choose, that's another thing to to be prepared for is that as soon as you say, hey, this video was sponsored by you're getting haters automatically for sure. Embrace Uh, people are hating you're doing something right. And guess what? It's because <laughs> they wish that they were getting that. Yeah. Right. It, it's, uh, and that, that's just the name uh, of the game of people. Yeah. All, all comments are just, you know, John and I had a huge text, uh, <laughs> like a, a text conversation about, you know, why people have bad comments. And, you know, I went yeah. deep on him. This is like a year ago, but, uh, but yeah, this it's, you know, people are going to hate on you for being sponsored. Just know that right out the gate. Yes. Um, anyway, yes. so, and, and, so and rap- part of the, it's part of the life. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. If you're going to get, if you're going to get free stuff and money, then you gotta, you gotta deal with it. So <laughs> rough life for yeah, us where, yeah pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So, <laughs> <laughs> so man, I think that's awesome, man. What, what kind of takeaways uh, are you going to hit them with today, John? So we got a lot here. And if you guys are really, really looking for the takeaways, we will have a much more detailed show notes for this episode than we typically do because um, the structure and the outline of it. So remember the why um, when, when you get started thinking about talking to sponsors. Remember the why part. Um, most importantly, selling yourself and building that brand equity. Don't jump in um, and, and try to throw numbers around immediately or don't get involved in it first for money or um, or free stuff. Get into it because you want to build a relationship um, and you want to add value to both sides of the spectrum. Um, and that leads into the how aspect of starting a conversation and building something that's authentic. Don't be spammy um, and make sure you have the long play first. That is hugely important. And that Brad and I are huge proprietors of it. Um, short term relationships are never good in business. It doesn't matter what kind they are. So always be having the long play in in the back of your head. Um, and then the time to do it or the when is when you feel that your brand is built to to a point that it's a value add to anybody and you're so bought into it that your your brand equity is your number one selling point. Um, and then you can start going into what type of brand you want to be working with and what your ask is. Um, and, and, but when you're feeling it at your heart there, you know, that's when you want to get involved. And, um, and to wrap it all up, you know, just make sure you're keeping people first um, and realizing that, you know, the, the ship rises and falls with the tide. The brands are just as much on board with uh, the content providers um, as all of us are in it together. You know, they want to see wins. We want to see wins. Everybody wants to win. Um, it's not that much of a competition when it comes to working with sponsors and brands. So if you can add value and bring I keep saying wins, but bring victory to both sides of the spectrum. You know, that is something that is definitely going to put your best foot forward and help you to build these relationships and uh, and get into the sponsored content marketing sphere. And there goes all of my sports innuendos on victory, Brad. Back to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it, man. I like it a lot. And like you said, this is very detailed. So we'll have some extra notes on this. But just from a from a homework perspective, uh, more of just a thought process is uh, if you are 
thinking that you want to be sponsored, you want to get engaged in that, is go through this and set and set up a game plan. Go into it uh, eyes wide open and start thinking through these things. I think the more you can uh, think about things in advance, the more prepared you'll be and uh, just learn as you go. So, you know, set up the game plan. That That's going to be your homework. But as you go through it, be able to pivot and learn what works, what doesn't work. And I think you'll you'll quickly figure that out as you start working with uh, with new brands. So we are running just a little bit long here, but um, I did want to, to acknowledge all the folks out there who have been giving us um, reviews over on iTunes. I know there's also Google Play, so if you don't have access to iTunes, uh, but iTunes is kind of the de facto podcasting uh, review place. So those, those five-star reviews have been awesome. Uh, it's been amazing. I think we're you know, well over 70, I think it's 75 five-star reviews. So we appreciate that, uh, really do. And we would, uh, if you think we deserve it, uh, we would love to get that five-star review over there on iTunes. It just helps us reach more folks. Um, but right now we're actually going to head over into the after show. And we talked about that at the top of the show. This is for our patrons. And if you want to join the MFP tribe over on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. Uh, and today we're actually going to be answering a question from the audience, from the patron audience about giveaways on Instagram. Lots of questions about that. And when should I do it? How should I do it? So that's what we're going to be hitting. If you want to hear that content, head on over there to Patreon. All right, John, let's go crush this after show, dude. Let's do it, bro. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks so once again we really want to thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode